Welcome, Axifod listeners. My name is Brandon Shu. I am the host of Axifod. Thanks for tuning into our second episode. Very excited about the show today. I interviewed Rick Smith, and Rick is the CEO and co-founder of Axon, formerly Taser. They've been very disruptive and instrumental in the policing sector with two very important products, the Taser, obviously, and the body camera. And now, making headlines in the last few months and weeks here, I first learned about it on Mad Money with Jim Cramer, where Rick appeared as a guest. Axon is suing the Federal Trade Commission over an acquisition that Axon made in May of 2018, where they bought VView, which is another body camera company. The company was recently, prior to the acquisition, had just got the account of the New York Police Department. And then shortly after that, ran into some financial troubles and were on the brink of bankruptcy when Axon purchased VView. Now, the Federal Trade Commission is alleging, saying that uh, Axon is essentially establishing themselves as a monopoly in the space by this acquisition, which was a very small acquisition of VView. You know, Rick will get into that during the course of the interview. But, you know, there's a lot going on right now in the antitrust space, actions by the government, particularly as it pertains to technology. Lately, Comcast and Time Warner, uh, AT&T and T-Mobile. And there's obviously a lot of discussion around companies like Amazon and Facebook and Google with vertical and horizontal acquisitions and mergers and, you know, what is antitrust or what is a monopoly and what isn't. I thought this was just particularly timely, just given what is going on right now in the space. I know it falls kind of outside the spectrum of risk and product liability litigation and all kind of my normal topics, but I thought it would be really interesting to hear directly from Rick in this very timely interview that we had a couple weeks ago now. So I hope you all enjoy. And then on a side note here, I actually toured the Axon facility in Scottsdale, Arizona, uh, about a week and a half ago after I did this interview. It's just a remarkable space with super interesting design elements and everything else. And the team over there, Rick included, were, you know, I'd like to thank for both being a guest on this podcast, but also, you know, spending some time with me over there in uh, Scottsdale. Uh, the weather, by contrast, from Minneapolis standpoint, much, much improved. So I thank you for giving me that little getaway. And now Rick Smith. I hope you enjoy. Rick Smith of Axon, welcome to the podcast, Ax of Pod. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on today. I appreciate it. So this is our second interview together on a different podcast now, but always appreciate you coming on. Today, we're going to spend a little time talking about Axon's lawsuit with the Federal Trade Commission. Love to hear about it. Pretty interesting just from the uh, the sidelines Maybe as a foundation, if you just want to quickly tell us a little bit about Axon and, and yourself, along with kind of the other party in this, which is Vivu. So our company, Axon, we used to be called Taser International. It's a company I started in a garage 27 years ago with the goal of trying to make the bullet obsolete. We, we made the Taser that everybody pretty well knows today. It's used by police around the world. And from there, we also got into doing body cameras because there was a lot of concern about how police might misuse a Taser weapon or their other weapons, their guns or their power in general. 
And so body cameras were really a tool to bring transparency to policing. And then we extended from there. We realized there was this big problem for police, how they would manage all these videos and data. So we launched the first major cloud software in the law enforcement space, where today we manage about 80 petabytes of police audio and video data. And the idea there is to really take the transparency from the cameras and then enable a really effective and efficient uh, use of that data across the criminal justice system. The other company at play was a company called VView that actually was started by a former employee of ours early in the body camera days. One of our leaders on that program left and started a competing company. And that's a little bit relevant in that there was some pretty bad blood. You know, we were in litigation twice with this company. Obviously, they had their own view of the world. Ours was that maybe they had started information they'd taken in some intellectual property from Axon. And that's really relevant just in the context that how we ended up in this legal situation with the FTC was that in 2018, the company that had acquired VView called us and offered to sell it to us. I remember thinking, well, there's probably some snowballs in hell today because uh, <laughs> you know, there's some pretty bad blood between the two companies. But ultimately, we did end up acquiring Vivio as a very small tuck-in acquisition for about $7 million. After we made that acquisition, we got a notice from the FTC that they'd received a complaint. You know, This was an anti-competitive acquisition was the, the nature of the complaint. And we said, great. We, well, not great, but we, we hear you and we understand you have a job to do as the FTC. We'd like to help you do your investigation because we feel pretty clearly, you know, this was a firm that when we bought them, they were losing a million dollars a month and were, they were insolvent and on the verge of going out of business. The reason we acquired them is we saw an opportunity to step in and fulfill some of the customer contracts uh, that they had. So if we fast forward to today, what, what has made this interesting is the situation with the FTC ended up where they took a position that not only did they want to force us to spin off VView, but they took a position that they wanted us to write them a, quote, blank check to stand up a competitor, not just VView, but to arm that competitor with our own intellectual property. So just to put it in context, we bought this small company for $7 million. We offered to spin it back off. And the FCC said, no, you, you have to also give it your intellectual property that we've spent hundreds of millions of dollars building of our body cameras and software and write a blank check, meaning we would fund this competitor until literally without limit to stand up armed with our own intellectual property to compete with us. And that was obviously a pretty egregious demand. Uh, we've never seen anything like this, this idea that you, know, you would basically seize a company's intellectual property this way. We ended up proactively filing a federal lawsuit in Arizona because as we learned more about this, from our lawyers, I discovered that when the FTC sues you, they have a choice. They can either sue you in federal court or they can sue you in their own private administrative hearings where the judge is an employee of the FTC. And our data indicates as we've researched this that they have a 100% win rate over the past several decades. Not exactly a place you want to be defending yourself from the government. No, it sounds pretty unfavorable. Sounds like the fox is in the hen house a little bit there. Yeah, it was interesting. I was explaining this. I have a 10-year-old son who's really interested in, uh, in a lot of these things because he hears me you know, get fired up about them. Sure. And he's, learned, he's learning about the U.S. Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. And we had some really interesting fathers on talks about the colonists. One of their grievances in the Declaration of Independence was that the courts were beholden to the King of England, not to fairness to the people. And it, I was pretty proud. Mom, my son says, man, this sort of feels like King George's court if the government can take <laughs> you into their own private court. Yeah. I said, yeah, you know, it's, it's a good way to put it. So just the optics of this are interesting. I mean, you're talking about us. You said it was a $7 million company and you're a much, much larger company. I mean, on its merits, 
as a layperson, I mean, it it hardly, you know, rings as some sort of monopolistic takeover of an industry when it's a fraction of your sales as it is. I mean, it, it seems like, you know, why would something like this happen? And why would you be a target of the FTC for something like this? We pay seven million plus some earnouts, so sure, there was sure. success. You know, there was under twenty million dollars under the rosiest of circumstances, and yeah, around the same time or shortly thereafter, Motorola bought WatchGuard, which is another of our competitors, for two hundred and twenty million dollars. So I think that sort of tells you WatchGuard obviously was a much more meaningful competitor. Just the market price that they paid uh, sort of conveys that. Uh, and then we're also competing with Samsung has a, a, a startup that they partnered with in this space, as well as Panasonic. There's a large uh, laptop manufacturer called GTAC out of Taiwan that also does body cameras and software now. So it's actually a pretty crowded space uh, right. where we've got companies several times our size competing with us. We're, we're scratching our heads a bit, too, uh, about how could it be that buying a company that was going out of business is anti-competitive? Right. When there's so much competition for much bigger, stronger players out in the marketplace. Yeah, it kind of seems like they want their cake and to eat it too. Not only do they want forego this deal and divest, but they want you to stand up this organization with an unknown figure that was fairly small and failing to begin with. I mean, are there fail exceptions or precedent like this in, in U.S. law that would protect you here? Yeah, there is a failing firm safe harbor, where if you buy a failing firm, by definition, it really isn't anti-competitive. Now, there's some debate. I think the FTC's lawyers are taking a position that the way they look at it, they don't believe that this strictly meets the definition of a failing firm. But just looking at it as, as a businessman, like if this isn't a failing firm, I, I don't know what is. Right, right. Uh, it literally had three days of cash on hand. Uh, it had been shopped around extensively and there were no buyers except for us. So but for us buying it, uh, we think it's pretty obvious it would have failed. And then that would have meant any of the customers that had contracts, their service would have gone under, right? You'd have had a service disruption. So as we looked at this, we we think we it actually was good for the market that we stepped in and prevented those those right. customers from uh, losing service. And we right. stepped, and we fulfilled, even at VVU's uh, prices, part of the reason they went out of business was they really underbid the NYPD contract at, at the NYPD. and that account is literally what was dragging them under. It's just the cost of supporting it at the price they did it. But uh, we had stepped in and have continued to support NYPD uh, on that contract, uh, among their other customers. Was there any technology that VView had that was revolutionary? I mean, is it fairly similar or are there stark contrasts between the two brands? Well, I would say we've invested significant sums in in technology. So there really wasn't much technology of value. In fact, since... uh, since we had won the NYPD in 2016, they had fundamentally stopped investing in R&D uh, beyond the investments they had to make. They were really getting swamped at the cost of rolling out such a huge body camera program. And there was a lot of custom work that they had to do to integrate with you know, a lot of systems and things at the NYPD. But that meant at the time we bought them, there was no future camera roadmap. There was no future facing R&D. So the argument that they were a failing firm, but they had all this great differentiating intellectual property isn't a great foot to stand on either. Yeah, I think, you know, this was just pretty straightforward in that VV was uh, really struggling. As we looked at it, this was an opportunity for us to step in and earn the trust of of those customers. And, you know, when you're building a business over the long haul, uh, if we just looked at the short term, you know, it was a money losing proposition. 
we tend to look at the long term, which is over time, if you go into a situation that's struggling and you help those customers out, you know, that's a great way to build long-term customer relationships. And that's the real source of value in any business. Long-term, I think, is, is just having great customer relationships and making sure those customers have a great experience. Well, how is it progressing? I mean, what are your expectations for the upcoming litigation and process and everything else? Well, we'll, we'll see. We're, we're at a bit of an exciting moment in time. So we, we filed our lawsuit in federal court, I believe it was on January 3rd, and the FTC filed in their administrative court against us about 15 hours later on that same day, late on a Friday. Now, at this point, we're proceeding in both cases. So we have activity. Uh, you know, the FTC has set a pretty aggressive schedule. I believe our hearing is, uh, we have until May to complete discovery and, and have the uh, trial there. And then here in Arizona, we've briefed, we've filed motions for a preliminary injunction to stay the FTC's proceedings. And uh, because already been filed in federal court, normally the, the federal courts will deconflict things so you don't have multiple conflicting cases in different jurisdictions. Obviously, the FTC has filed a response against that, and we'll see what happens. Uh, I think we're fully briefed, and we're just waiting on the Arizona courts. So are they trying to remand it, get it out of federal court, or are, they, are you just proceeding with two paths? I would characterize it that right now it's two paths. We have asked the federal court to block the FTC proceeding and for the federal court to take jurisdiction. And I believe mm. the FTC has, has basically asked for the opposite, that they've, Got it. they've asked to block the federal proceeding and let it proceed within the FTC. It sounds exciting. <laughs> Probably not the kind of excitement that you, you were hoping for, but uh, nonetheless, appreciate you uh, filling us in on everything that's going on and we wish you luck and uh, we'll be watching. Yeah, well, I would tell you this, you know, what's, what, what is interesting about this one is I've built my career in this mission-driven company and our mission is to basically try to make the justice system more fair and safer, right? We want to get cops sure. to hurt and kill less people. We want to make them more accountable. And we're building software to make the justice system run efficiently. My professional mission is to make a justice system more fair, transparent, and efficient. And now I'm on the receiving end of part of this system where it hasn't felt very fair so far. And as I understand the ground rules, ultimately, my personal belief is that we have a separation of powers in the Constitution for a reason to exactly prevent even well-intentioned people can come to different viewpoints. And that's why we have, uh, you know, courts that are independent. So I'm, I'm actually pretty fired up that I think this fits our mission, that this is a, a fight worth having. You know, there have been some companies that have uh, really suffered or even gone out of business at the hands of federal agencies uh, that have been able to use these more aggressive and what I believe are unconstitutional practices. So if we're going to end up in, in, in litigation, I would rather end up in something like this where it fits with the mission of the things we care about. And ultimately, we think we can, we can maybe make the system better and fairer, in this case, through litigation as opposed to through our products. But it, it still, it aligns with what gets us out of bed in the morning. Well, and you guys have, if I remember correctly, quite a bit of experience in the litigation department. So I, I assume this, your team is pretty well equipped to handle what's going on, albeit a different kind of lawsuit. But I, I know that you guys are very uh, familiar with the process. Yeah, I would say, you know, um, nobody seeks to get involved in litigation, but just the nature of selling the products and services we do to right. police, we do end up in a lot of litigation. And I, I would say our legal team, this is invigorating and inspirational for them that, uh, you know, this is a case that has, this is an issue that could end up in front of the Supreme Court. And Sure. Uh, it's it's a big issue. It's we think it's an important one, and and I think again, if you're going to be involved in 
challenging and expensive litigation processes. At least it feels good to be involved in something where you feel like the outcome is bigger than just us and that we could have a really positive impact uh, through the work we're doing here. Right. Absolutely. Well, Rick Smith, thank you very much for joining Acts of Pod. And uh, I guess maybe we'll follow up with you uh, in the coming months to see how everything's going. Sounds great. Yep. We'll uh, obviously be posting significant developments and social media other channels so people can keep track of uh, how this is proceeding. All right. Thanks a lot, Rick. 